Coming to you back over the Zoom airwaves. Mm-hmm. It's the Sons of Honarchy podcast with your host, Drunk Shy Sox fan. And Hot Take Tommy on this episode, I will be unbearable with the Rodon fucking no-hitter, baby. I'm not ready for this at all. But one thing I am ready for is we have a very special guest. So please stay tuned or at least just fast forward through our bullshit for the first uh five ten minutes of this episode so you can go uh catch our awesome segment with uh mr hand also known as aloha mr hand all of this brought to you by us so rate subscribe review baby yes please go ahead rate (laughs) subscribe review all of that to the sons of honarchy podcast i'm not gonna spell it this episode though tom (laughs) Um, I listened back and you did in fact spell it wrong. I was like, <laughs> I definitely spelled it wrong. Like I said, <laughs> spelling and math are just not things that I like to do on Saturday mornings. Oh God. Um, and not even on Sundays like today. So um, yep. speaking of simple math though, Tom, there's some very simple math uh, in regard to how many hits Rodon gave up in his last start that I was present for. No fucking hitter. Yeah. Okay. So let's just zero. Let's start there. Let's start there. Fuck you for being at another game that is important in White Sox. Fuck you, bro. I mean, this time it makes a little bit more sense because you're almost a season ticket holder. So like you'll get, you're going to be at more games and that therefore, but like the fact that of course, of course you were there. And of course I was at fucking, I was dude, I was so mad class. Weren't you? No, I was at a damn um, like game night with our buddy from college who's moving on. To- oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. We talked about this, and when it was happening, you were like, "They don't understand. They don't. They, nobody understands me, man." And uh, <laughs> fucking, I was, I was like, I got the updates because I was like trying to be a good friend and not like pay attention to the game because obviously they're moving. But this is a game night that we haven't had. Like we have an opportunity to hang out before they, whatever. Right. Like people first, you know, everything else second, except for baseball. So then I get the alerts like no fucking hitter. And I'm like, I know who's on the fucking mound. So if it's a no fucking hitter, this is the best day of my fucking life. And so I started streaming the game right then and there. Like no questions asked, threw it on for the the um, at bat before Perez's fat foot. So I was like, I was there for uh the whole the top of the knife. Yeah. And God, it was good. It was just like, it felt surreal. I literally, I, I didn't know what to do. I was shaking. I was like, holy, this is happening <laughs> again. And it's my fucking ace, baby. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. And like, um, we will chat about it a little bit later with Pete, but not a lot, like very briefly. And, and it's just, you know, when, when you make a minor tweak and, and you're using, like, he just looks so good. And, like, this the, is this is who he could have been all along. Those performance-enhancing drugs are really kicking in. Goddamn love performance-enhancing drugs. If you, if you talk to, um, <laughs> if you, if you talk to, if you listen to the interview that uh, Rodon had with, um, our White Chuck, Sox talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was before, obviously, the no-hitter. I think he's probably interviewed him again since, but he interviewed him before, and he talked about just, like, changing his diet and shit. Like, he just got a dietician. And he, I mean, it, it, I think the real tweak, it's not even 
um, Mr. Cance, it's, it's, or coach Cance or whatever. It's, he is eating more vegetables. And I think that's steady diet of needles to his buttocks. <laughs> that's what I'm going to chalk. He, he looks, he looks thinner. He looks better. He's happier. I think. And like, look, I, I mean, it's a, that's a hot take on my part, but yeah, it's a hot ass take. Hot ass take. Um, okay, I, you so know, it's consistent. I, that's all I'm going to say. Let's jump into back where we left off from here for a second. We, I, I was not able to watch the whole game live, which broke my little heart. So what I did is as soon as I got home from my friend's place, after I finally put the phone down after a while of celebrating, and they were like, please stop being a dick and pay and like hang out with us. And I was like, okay, fine. And then um, I went home and I had it on DVR, so I watched it pitch by pitch, like until two a.m. And it was the best decision I could have made with my life. I'll be honest; it didn't feel like one throughout most of the game. Well, yeah, because when you're actually at the game, I mean, here's the thing: Benetti was talking about no hitter starting in the fourth or fifth. Like he was like, and he's hitless through, you know, like he was chatting about like the steady progression that Benetti did was pretty damn good. Like the, the way he followed it. And um, speaking of Benetti though, the, the call for Giolito's no hitter versus like the last out of Giolito's no hitter, Benetti was on something like he it's, it's well, remember audio. Remember one is a perfect game and one is a no hit. Yeah. I mean, Wait, no, Giolito wasn't a perfect game. He gave up a walk in the second or some shit. Did he? Yeah, he get, it was like, it was super funny. It was a four-pitch walk to some jamoke. And it like, but it was, it was the second inning. So it was like, who cares if you're walking whatever. So it was just a four-pitch walk. You're but, right. Um, I don't know why I thought it was a perfect game. Because um, it fucking felt like one. He was dominant as a motherfucker. And, but he, I'm, my language is something else right now. And it's, I'm just so excited to be able to talk about this. And, but, but anyway, so the last out of, of Giolito's no hitter, we all know it was, it was angle, like striding in, catching it waist high, really fucking cool way to end it. And so obviously the excitement level is there for that, but for some reason, and like, I listened to it again and, and, and whatever, but I feel like the audio that we had from Rodon's no hitter is just not as juicy, I guess, or not, not as well, like, you have to remember, you know, you've got a perfect game through eight and one third. You've got, yeah. you got two outs away from literally a perfect game. So it's kind of anticlimactic, anticlimactic. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was almost like a letdown before the before the right. celebration. So right. I, I get it, I get it. But I was just a little disappointed that it wasn't like, you know, like the the you everybody can hear Benetti's voice in their head announcing Giolito's last out. You know, like you you know what that audio sounds like. There's not as much of a memorable clip out of Rodan's. And I mean, time will tell if we, if they find like, you know, maybe they use the interview where he's just like, what's it's up? It's almost guys? like one. It's almost like one pitchers. There is, uh, might just be having a flash in the pan. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't take this away from me, Steve. That's the thing. That's the thing that I am this. No one can ever take away. Carlos Rodan's no hitter. 
Like you can shit on no, him for not sure. Being consistent for sure. Ever. It's a no hitter. A no hitter is incredible. The fact that I got to go to a no hitter is amazing. I don't yeah. think I didn't think I would ever be able to see a no hitter in person entire life, but yeah. especially for a my team, right? My team, right, was on the good side of a no hitter. Um, plus that offensive production at the beginning of the game was amazing. Oh my um, God. yeah, we broke. Oh, that's something that's so beautiful about it too. We just shattered Plesek in the same game that Rodan is like. And okay, this is this is what I was thinking about talking about because it's like there's nothing more poetic than this game in my mind. And I'm biased. I'm biased. But look at this. Like you have the quintessential shattering. You and unprotect you and unprotected socks in your poetic justice here. It's so it's so beautiful because it's literally it's it's the handing of the division from the like I and I know it's it's really Minnesota's division, but it's been Cleveland's like yeah. division to lose for a goddamn decade, it feels like. For sure. And now we have a game where we just dumpster them. Like we clobber their next like best starting pitcher that everybody thinks is like the shit and in Plesak. And he's, well, it's, he's it's even ball. better. It's even better, especially like after Rodon blew that game in Cle And yes, yes. His fault that, that he was put. It's not his fault that he was put in that situation. That was a terrible move by Renteria right. to put him in that situation, but it is even more so like, symbolic poetic all that because like you think of last year and the division race that we were in and that blown game in cleveland um Mm -hmm. where rodown was on the mound so yes and this is a hundred percent i see this as a passing of the torch from and time will tell time will tell but this this could very well be the moment where cleveland's done they don't, they don't have ownership of this division at all. They don't have ownership. Rather, they don't have ownership at the top of the division anymore. You know, that's that's for the Twins and us. Like, get the fuck out of here. Take your plea sack. It's for the, it's for the, ass. It's for the Kansas City Royals, according to the standings right now. But okay, Well, yeah, when you're, when you're... It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, that, is, that is true enough. But so, what happens when you no hit uh, another team is you get a goddamn dub is what happens. So I, and, and, and this is the other thing that I wanted to touch on while mm-hmm. I eh, like, while I have a moment, right. Is <laughs> sorry. I was watching you have like technical difficulties over there and I was trying to like fill in the time for you. So <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm just getting feedback in my ears for some oh, okay. reason. It's so. not coming through over here, so it should be fine. Okay. But um, I mean, we're talking about talking about poetic na- nature of this start and this win. You know, you have all of the longest tenured players on in the infield in this moment, besides Timmy, mind you. But you have. Leary Garcia, the guy who's been there the longest, playing short, making some good plays at his snag on Reyes in the fifth. Mm -hmm. After that play, like that's when the no hitter felt real, like or the perfect game at that point felt real. It was like, oh my god, this actually might be happening. And then Abreu like fracturing his pelvis to get that out at first base, like holy shit! 
if he would have been out for an extended period of time because of that play in the ninth, I would have been so pissed, <laughs> so pissed. Even though yeah. he has been cold, he's got to get he's it been together. Cold. He'll 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 heat up. He'll heat up. This is his thing. But like all of that, like the three of those guys specifically for me, just felt shit. We made it. You know that that's what it felt like for a moment there. And like I laugh all you want. It's like that was a moment. <laughs> shit, we made it. We're two games under five hundred. Yeah, I know. But like we're at a point where you know the guys that I've loved for the last, I mean. N- six years the guys that i've like rooted for in like the shittiest situations like the hundred lost teams like these guys were there and i and i loved them on those teams and they're here for this moment that's a big deal for me like i I get it if you don't give a flying fuck about the humans that are playing on the field but i think that's a huge thing for them to be able to experience that after such a shitty last five years you know what i mean for sure. The playoffs were probably nice last year, too. I get that. But, like, not Rodon was not functioning in that, really. And and Leary was not really. And it's a 60-game season, and it's and you got bounced. You know what I mean? And and the way that that season ended was not – that didn't give you a good taste in your mouth. And it's, it, it's – that's why I see it as different. Like, this is obviously a triumph. Making I, yeah, the playoffs – I get that. I hope that this – I hope that this isn't – some oh we're content though no i and, and i seriously don't think it is and again time will tell but i mean when you're out here and you're pumping 99 like in the last out at bat of the game it's just like it's it just feels electric and and you hope it's something they can build off of and i'll i'll stop in a second here but it's like you, you can't help but root for that kind of a oh, feeling absolutely around absolutely game. and it's it was and great it, and it was awesome amazing. to be a part of that atmosphere i'm hoping that he doesn't have a philip umber type i just need you to shut up about that dude just like learn to accept that you had a victory that was really freaking exciting remember philip umber threw a perfect game that's all yeah. i i don't i don't care because that's all anybody's saying about this this no hitter so far and you've like he's looked, no he's i've seen nothing great. but positivity about the no hitter nothing but positivity yeah, which is great you're talking to me there's been a lot of people saying like don't forget philip umber like philip umber through the last like the last perfect game for the white Sox. philip umber this and that and it's like i don't i don't care you know what like this is carlos rodon he's a totally different person He's not under Don Cooper anymore. He's make he's made huge strides and he's dealing. Like let's let's celebrate that your man's is dealing right now. Hey, I hope so. Like I said, I hope it continues because this team needs everything to go their way uh sooner than later. Um including beating those damned yellow jersey motherfuckers over in Boston. Yep. Cause right now we're uh we're at two over two weeks through the season. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and it's, it's off to a rough start. So, but we'll talk more about that with our guest. Indeed. And hopefully by the time you guys hear this, we're over 500 after sweeping a double header on Sunday. Hopefully we'll, fingers, we'll see how, fingers we'll see how crossed. that quote ages, but here coming up next is your man. Aloha, Mr. Han. Indeed. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do have to mention this, Pete, really quick because yeah. you know, the one the 108 guys were saying, you know, that I'm the hipster Moby, but Moby is the hipster Moby, <laughs> and uh, I am obviously the the poser that doesn't know the percolator. Um, but Tommy and I actually had a running note before that. Yeah. about who is a bigger hipster between Tommy and myself. Well, Just I give by- I give it to Tommy for the hair. <laughs> okay. Come on. Hey, okay, so this is the thing, though. Today, I didn't do French press coffee. I did just your regular drip coffee. So there you go. I don't I, I'm not a hipster today. That's that's the difference. I rest right. my the fact that you talk about doing French press coffee and the hair. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> You'll never find Tommy with a Miller Lite in hand either. He's always going to have like a sour or like something obscure. My it vodka soda like is, is more common, sir. So. Yeah, vodka soda as well. Yeah. You know you know what I have right now? I don't have coffee. I have something simple. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's got caffeine. That'll do the job. Yes. But I also have it in a with oh look at that the white Sox run club sticker let's go south side or die and 108 i guess i like how that one's on the the bottom you can cover that so people don't know and then you take the drink and they're like oh god damn it you're one of those guys (laughs) exactly (laughs) brilliant awesome well hey pete thanks for joining us today um thanks for having me hey honestly i before i hop into the, the the main reason why we wanted you on pete um i do want to say we appreciate all of the content that you put on socks twitter we appreciate <laughs> all of the contributions to the 108 that you uh are a part of um, uh, thank you some and, people and, would disagree but thank yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> those people are assholes and wrong so there you go yeah, you know, I'm one of the few who actually gets Ken Woe to shut up occasionally. There you go. And that's, the, you know, we all are thankful. We all And are. we are grateful, <laughs> grateful and appreciative for it. Trust me. <laughs> but you are the man of questionable character. Yes. So we are going to have uh, s- some questionable uh, things to ask you about. Sure. Um, about, you know, throughout this entire episode here. And my first questionable thing that I want to ask you about, since we are a White Sox baseball podcast, mm-hmm. is the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are questionable right now, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. They have some yeah. questionable character. Um, what do you think's going on right now with them? If you were to, if you were to just kind of analyze them in a in a quick like elevator speech, what do you think it would be? I wouldn't say questionable character. I'd say questionable performance. Uh, like an elevator speech, I think part of it is. One of the, I've had two, I expressed two major concerns uh, before the season started. One was depth. We already see that playing out, uh, especially with Eloy out for an extended period of time. But that also ties into my second concern directly because I had a concern about Andrew Vaughn. Now, my concern about Andrew Vaughn was putting a lot of pressure on this kid who had what? 30 games, 40 games, whatever it was, and spent last year in Schaumburg at the alternate site, putting the pressure on him to perform in a team that has expectations when he's had so little minor league experience and 
last year being what last year was. And that's not, and again, that's not his fault. You know, what happened, you know, everything of last year is not his fault at all. I felt it was a lot of pressure and it ties into the, the question about, you know, depth and everything else. And I would, I had several discussions with people about, you know, like, oh, we don't need depth. Andrew Vaughn's going to, is going to rake once he gets to the, once he gets to the majors. And my point was, I don't doubt that he will, but it's going to take time. And the position you're in right now, really that time is not there. Yeah. I love that. I I, I appreciate that you're bringing up like, Hey, he's probably had 30 games. Although I think <laughs> I, you know, if you're in, if the, if you're in the head of Rick Hahn right now, I think it's, mm-hmm. you got to take in consideration you know, he's played travel baseball in high school. Mm-hmm. He played college ball. So those all count. That's major league experience. Might as well be a ball, you know, throw that in there. He's mm-hmm. might, he's major league ready. I don't know what you're like. And you're talking 22 <laughs> years old. I mean, he's, he's a veteran. He's a veteran. He's ready to go. I I'm just, I'm just surprised that he hasn't hit already. So anyway, mean, that's my opinion on it. You mean like he hasn't hit 10 home runs already? And yeah, what the is world that? You mean like you're mean? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Exactly. Right. I'm astonished that he hasn't come up and hit eight for eight to start. That's that's par for the course is what I expected at least. Right. You know, and, and again, I, this applies to Vaughn. This applies to Madrigal. I give, I give Southside Zoe a lot of shit about Madrigal mainly because it's fun to be honest with you. You know, I want him to perform. I do. I really do. But I just love giving shit to, Oh, we do the same, especially with Carrie. So yeah. And Carrie's another one. I just think that these guys were put in, put in a position where they could never match what people sold them as. Right. And, you know, Madrigal's played what 40, 40 games now in, in the majors. And you start to, you're starting to see the flashes and everything else. I think one of the things with Madrigal is I think he's the try too hard kind of guy and he sort of boots himself every so often for trying too hard. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And I just think if you really, if the plan was to have these guys be here now and 2020 was sort of the first year of the contention window and yes, Madrigal was there for it. He should have been up in 19 to be honest with you, if that was your plan, Vaughn, should have been up last year if your plan was to roll him out this year. But again, with Vaughn, expectations, you know, but you could have got away with it because, you know, uh, Parrot Boy had such an outstanding season that you could have plugged him in right there, no problem. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That $12 million uh, to see, you know, what, three home, would you have three homers or something? Solo. Solo. All of them. They were impressive, though. They were, oh. they were majestic, yes. but they amounted to not that much. <laughs> right. You know, and, and it's just, it's just a matter of a new manager getting to understand a new team. I think that's part of it. Tony Larusa is old, old, old school. So what you're seeing him do now, in my opinion, is he wants to make sure everyone plays because he wants to make sure come August and September, his guys aren't burnt, that they're, they're rested, ready to go. If you read his book, uh, Three Days in August, one of the things he talks about is having his team prepared for the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. What would be the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning of a season? 
August and September. So he's trying to get everyone playing time, everyone in a rhythm, so that come August and September, they have an edge over all the other teams who may have overplayed some players. So you think that explains like why Collins is playing more than Grandal? I think Grandal still got some some issues with his legs or something. To be honest, I think okay. that's why. Yeah, that that's funny because I poked fun at his like spring spring <laughs> training injury, thinking yeah. like, oh, it's one of those like I don't want to play. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and you know, hey, it might actually be a thing. Like judging mm-hmm. off of the playing time, like you're saying, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And and I know, like with Andrew Vaughn, a lot of people were up in arms last week about him not playing for that what three game stretch, whatever it was. Right. There was a flu going around or some kind of stomach bug going around the clubhouse. I wonder if if maybe Andrew Vaughn had it. And right, exactly, because wasn't he supposed to start Monday and he wound up starting Wednesday? Yeah, yeah the was, game that Tommy was supposed to be at. Tommy or, uh, or, or he was at you were at Monday. I was and, at uh, Monday and yeah. I was so excited. As soon as the game got postponed on Friday. Saturday, Saturday. Then yeah. I was like, this is going to be lit. That means that Rodon is pitching. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. I'm about to buy jerseys. I'm about to like get <laughs> too excited, be really annoying about it. And then he got, you know, scratched for kid yeah. Kikey. But I mean, obviously it worked uh, out. And a hell of a performance by, by Keiko coming in early to, oh, yeah. uh, to start that game on, you know, without much notice, what did he get? two hours notice basically exactly if even yeah. i mean the lineup came out with rodan's name on it and then, right like they checked the bathroom and he was like nah he's still shitting we should probably get <laughs> somebody else so yeah who knows? and again i don't know if that's why vaughn was held out i don't i'm just speculating on that point but we do know that there was something going around in that clubhouse and also remember those guys got their shots on friday last right week. so there could have been the day off Saturday may have actually helped them because maybe some guys weren't up to it on Saturday after getting their shots Friday. I mean, you might see me start to fade since I got mine two hours ago. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> His speech just starts slurring. Like, at well, the that would be for mark. other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got mine yesterday as well. My mm-hmm. second dose. And yeah. I'm a lot. I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm yeah. a little sore, but. My my wife got the shot at the same time as me, and she was not in a good way at the end of the day yesterday. So yeah, hopefully I got past that threshold. Yeah, and you know when I got my first shot, my arm felt like it weighed five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> and you know it was like a ham hock just like hanging there. <laughs> so I'm waiting to see how that turns out. You know, for tomorrow, I've already told my boss. I said I might take the day off. I'm getting my second shot, and they're like. We won't penalize you if you do. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so bye. <laughs> exactly. Also, I love that you described it as uh, hanging there like a ham hock. That is the most South side thing. <laughs> well, hey, I, I was born and raised on the South side. Exactly. You know? Well, that leads me to, I, mm-hmm. I want to hear about your White Sox story, Pete. Every time we have a guest on the Sons of mm-hmm. Monarchy, we ask them about their White Sox fandom story. Sure. So how did it get started? How okay. did you continue it? You know, give us give us the rundown. So I grew up on the south side. Um, a lot of my relatives lived in Canaryville, 
my grandmother lived at 48th and Wallace. So we, I was the youngest of the bunch. So my, my cousins would take me to Sox games all the time. And where my grandmother lived, there was a rail yard, basically like a, a, a giant wall and then a rail yard right in there. And my uncle used to work in that rail yard. So we would find out what trains were running and we'd hop one of the trains and take it down to 35th street. Cause it went by right by the, the viaduct on 35th and the, you know, by lot C. Yep. Yep. Right by so, 35th street, red hots. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, you had lot G then 35th street, red hots. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, to save bus money, Hey, that's one more Coke or hot dog or something. <laughs> right. So we'd hop the train and, in, in Lot C, I don't know, this is going back to the old park and a long, long time ago, the Bill Vec years. Oh, yeah. The, the wall was cracked. And you used to be able to climb up and slide down the wall to get to the trains. So that's how we would do it. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, the first, the first games I ever went to were in... 1973, I want to say, when they wore the red pinstripes. That's why I have such an affinity for that red pinstripe uniform. That's the Dick Allen, Bill Melton, Wilbur Wood, yep. um, Carlos May days. For sure. So, you know, I always had an affinity for those jerseys and, you know, the red hat and everything else. That's why I was ecstatic in uh, 2012 when they did the throwback and brought those back. I was like, oh, man, make these the permanent Sunday uniforms. Not that there's anything wrong with the 83s, mind you, but. Uh, so I became a fan then, and I made it a point to have perfect attendance or straight A's because back then schools would give you free tickets for the White Sox if you had perfect attendance or straight A's. That's so I was great. like, so I was like, okay, I'll do that, no problem. So that was always my way of getting a couple free tickets. So I've been a fan since then. Uh, you know, went to games all the time throughout the years. I was at the final game at the old park, the final night game at the old park. Uh, the first game at the new park. I've been to every opening day in the new park, and I don't I don't count 2020 for obvious reasons. But but I had a cutout there, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that still counts. That um, definitely counts. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and my name did get mentioned on the broadcast the Saturday game of opening weekend. That a foul ball went by where my seats were, and and they mentioned that I wasn't there. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so great. Right. But, you know, uh, I could tell you, the, you know, I became a, when I finished school, college, I, I used to buy like the 10 game package and it was the Aussie plan, the Canerco plan, you know, 13, 14 games, whatever they were calling it at that time. So I bought that for years. And when I paid off my student loans, I decided to buy full season tickets. I just happened to do that in 2005. Oh, perfect timing. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I did get to go to the playoffs, to the world series. And I do remember with AJ Pruszynski when he was running the first base in game two, I turned to my buddy who was with me and I said, is he going to start a fight? <laughs> <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. He's going to start a fight. What the hell's going on? You know, and then everything snowballed from there. Uh, was there when they clinched in 1993. Was there that Monday night when Bo hit a home run at the third baseman from Seattle. Actually, I think it was Mike Flowers. Actually broke back on that wound up going over the fence. 
Because if you ever watch the replay of that home run, the third baseman breaks back like he's got a play, and the wind just takes it and throws it over the fence. Holy shit. Watch, watch the third baseman and watch the left fielder. Because I was sitting in section 132, so I had a perfect, perfect view of it. And it just kept going and going and going and over the fence. Um, Gorgeous. Yes. Wild. The Windy City, indeed. Yes, yes it did. Uh, I actually wound up crashing a day of game employee party that night after they clinched. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was younger and dumber and a lot drunker back then. <laughs> <laughs> But I got to ask of yeah. all of the, the White Sox players, personalities you've met mm-hmm. over the years, then because mm-hmm. they're numerous, yes. uh, countless, um, who is who has been your favorite? I have a couple of different answers to that. And okay. my first was by far was Carlton Fisk until I met him. <laughs> I heard he's an ass. He's he's bipolar. I, I, I can't think oh. of any other way to say it. Sometimes you meet him, he's great. Other times, not so much. And the reason being, and I wrote something, I wrote a blog about this like a year and a half, two years ago. Everybody drink. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yep, I'm doing my beef loaf impression. That's right. <laughs> so I, I wrote a blog, drink, um, saying like, what were the five biggest moves the White Sox made in my lifetime? And number one was Carlton Fisk because the... It was the Einhorn group back then, not the Reinsdorf group. Jerry Mm. was the sort of silent partner at that point in time, and Eddie Einhorn was the front man. Them signing Fisk was just blew my mind. It was monumental. And it was like, oh, my God, this team is for real, because they owned the team at that point maybe a month or two. I'm like, it's going to be different this time. No more penny pinching. (laughs) (laughs) You, you cursed we see, it. We see where that went. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my favorite player to watch and anyone who grew up around the time I did and everything else was prime Frank Thomas. That was a stop what you're doing and watch moment. You know, uh, I'm a huge Mark Burley fan. I've always been a Mark Burley fan. And, you know, seeing what he accomplished with, the skill set that he had, because I used to get into arguments with Cub fans all the times. Who, which pitcher would you want of these three? Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, or Mark Burley? And they would always say, oh, I want Wood because he's got the fastball. I want Pryor because he has the perfect pitching mechanics. And I'd say Burley. And I'd say, which one gets on the field the most? Yep. Which one actually performs? There's, you can't, you know, stuff-wise, there's no doubt that Pryor and Wood had much better stuff than Mark Burley. No doubt whatsoever. But Burley went to the post all the time. Those two guys, you know, six months off here, two months off there, towel drills, towel drills, and more towel drills. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like Wood and Pryor had such high ceilings. Yes. Like they had potential through the roof. Yes. Um, and we saw that a little bit with uh, more so with Wood kind yes. of come to fruition than prior. Um, but yeah, injuries derailed those guys' careers yeah. and longevity. Yeah, I mean, that's something that you got to take into consideration too. If you want a starting pitcher that's going to go out there and give you 200 innings every year, basically, mm-hmm. 
and yeah. it's gonna be solid and you're you know exactly what you're getting mark burley's your guy <laughs> carlos rodon is not your guy <laughs> yes much better Pete. thank you <laughs> bringing out the bobbleheads <laughs> but you know and the thing with with prior he did have the perfect pitching mechanics but i really believe when he got hit in the elbow by that i think it was brian giles who hit the shot off his elbow i mean absolutely ripped one that bounced right off his elbow he was never the same after that right so you know you got to take that into account as well wood you're right we did see the flashes with wood we saw it in 98 and you saw it in 2003 prior you saw it in 2003 but once he got hit he never seemed to be the same pitcher and I remember a game in 2006, the White Sox were playing at night and the Tigers were playing the Cubs at Wrigley. And it, and this was Wood or Pryor's comeback. It looked like batting practice for the Tigers. Yeah. They were just hitting missiles out of there. And it's like, yeah, this, this ain't good. So, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt too. Cause I've seen so many Sox pitchers where like, oh, this guy's the future and is there anyone that's like that right now for you? Like this guy's the future and you're like, you could be honest. Um, I thought Raylo would do better this spring training. I really did. It's not looking like it's happened. Um, you know, I know, I'll, you know, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but one guy I kept bringing up was Jose Quintana. I'm like, you know, Jose Quintana is a second division pitcher. If he's playing for a team that is not in contention, he's fine. He's like Javi Vasquez in a lot of ways. Mm. And to me, Dylan Cease is becoming very Javi Vasquez-esque. Interesting. Because if you watch that game yesterday, Cease is cruising. That, that called third strike that was missed where they were, where Cease and Collins were both walking off halfway to the dugout. Yes. That looked like it rattled him, and he just started going downhill from there. I, I, which surprises me because the guy talks, you know, he's so in tune with himself. He's a yogi. He's doing all the spiritual stuff, and to me, he comes across as a mental midget in some ways. He's going to be a hell of a bulk pen guy. I, you know, and it's funny. I never thought that until I saw it in the playoffs last year in Oakland. He came right. out and he was like, he was like dominating boom this is it he reminds me in a way to use a met to use a uh an example from a different sport he reminds me of mike tomzak Ooh, now we're bears. throwing it way back yes the old bears quarterback mike tomzak looked great it, as quarterback when he was brought in because of injury or something else if he was starting he did not look too good because he overthank it and i and i think that's what's going on with cease fair you know, I I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And I think that's the thing with cease. I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen anything consistent that tells me he's going to be a solid mid tier major league starter. He I see him as a bullpen yeah. piece. He seems to lose his, his mechanics just randomly at some point. It's like, Oh, he's out of sorts. Like how did he, he, this is something you you repeat. And again, I'm not a pitcher. I was the big fat catcher. I was Engelbert from the Bad News Bears. Engelbert. <laughs> That's what I was when I was growing up, you know. Uh, Johnny Bench was my favorite player. I always wanted to be catcher. And it's like, I'm Engelbert. Okay, fine, whatever. 
<laughs> but it just seems like he loses his his release point or his mechanics or something else. There's no repeatability there. And I know a lot of people are really high on him and talked about this is going to be the year and everything else. I was fine with them resigning Rodon. It was a one-year prove-it deal. Worst case, you, you cut him and you're done. I always felt that Rodon did not – I always for years said Rodon needs to do more uh, uh, drop and drive, meaning get your – Get your legs into it more, lower body, because he's got the he's got the thick lower body, you know, the one away thick lower body. There you go. Do that. <laughs> and he never did it. And drop and drive, if people don't know what it is, go look at Tom Seaver. That is the king of drop and drive. Hmm. You know, and where you used your your legs to generate the energy and the momentum going forward to to throw the ball. Rodon's doing more of that this year. And I think that's a direct reflection on Ethan Katz. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a big, big part. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that he, w- he was going to be that significant. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just kind of the, uh, okay, Gio lost McCann. So we're replacing that <laughs> loss with uh, his little, the, his, his little Linus blanket. That's yes. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think he's done a lot of, you know, we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think po- positive change um, mm-hmm. when it comes to, yeah, you mentioned it, like pitching mechanics mm-hmm. as, as well as just kind of the mindset, because it, I'm sure you were a big Don Cooper fan, Pete, but, you know, he was a little overcooked in Chicago. Well, depending on when, like in the mid 2000s, yes, because he did, you know, like Matt Thornton was one guy as an example who he did, whose career he did turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think as the generation changed of pitchers where it's more driveline, more, you know, more velocity, things of that nature, you know, um, spin, rotation, things like that. Coop couldn't handle it because the one thing that always frustrated me about Coop, especially the last five or six years. See, I think Coop ruined Fulmer. I think Coop ruined Rodan. I, I think Coop ruined Raylo to be honest with you, because he was a system coach. He wanted all his pitchers to throw the execs. All of them got to learn a cutter, got to throw the cutter. Well, you can't, you can't approach pitchers like that because each one has a different skill set that you need to refine what they have, not what you want. And that's one thing that always drove me nuts about Coop. Right. And, and the, and my biggest pet peeve, and people have heard this for years, Owen two fucking walks. And Jose Quintana was the king of it, not to bash the guy. Because I like Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana is a good guy. But he was the king of the 0-2 walk. He'd get ahead 0-2 and look dominant. And then you'd see the guy walking down the first base because the, the next pitch, he's up 0-2. The next pitch, I'd sit there and go, here comes Wait. the ball in the uh, opposite batter's box in the dirt. There it is. You yep. know, At the ankles and three feet off the plate. Yes. Yes, which drove me nuts. I'm like, why would anyone ever swing at an 0-2 pitch that the White Sox throw? Why? Never. And you knew in certain sequences what pitch was coming. Why do you think sometimes the Tigers and the Indians and the Royals look like they knew what pitch was coming? Because they did. Because they knew based on pitching sequences what the sequence was going to be. Yep. Yep. Like I said, yeah, Don Cooper, 2005, great. Don Cooper, 
2019, a little well, overcooked. I would say rebuild on. I think oh, they, for sure. For I think sure. they needed to replace him when the rebuild started. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that, that was my opinion. I thought he was the wrong guy to have in place for the rebuild. Well, Vent- Ventura's last year was 2016, right? That's correct. So out, you know, yep. I, new manager, new pitching coach, new hitting coach. Yeah. You got a clean shop, you know? Yes. And, and to be honest with you, I thought they needed to blow everything up after the 2011 season when mm-hmm. Ozzy was let go because there was an issue in that clubhouse. And I think it lasted throughout the entire time. They just needed a clean house with everybody, get rid of all of them and get rid of Kenny Williams too. I thought that both Kenny and Ozzy should have been fired with the way 2011 played out. Neither one got fired. Ozzy went and took the job in Miami and stuck his foot in his mouth. And Kenny is still with the White Sox. Yep. Man, I like want to say that Ozzy deserves another job, but it would never work in today's baseball. No, no, he would, (laughs) he would be crucified in today's, well, not even, not even today's baseball, but today's political cancel culture climate. He would be crucified. I'm astounded that he has not done said some shit on the post game pregame that has been oh he has <laughs> just well last year well well yeah let, let's not forget that uh last year he called out our current right fielder um yep. right mm-hmm. he called Am out I not mistaken you. he called <laughs> no out one likes you he called out Nick Swisher if you remember that too yep absolutely you Nick know. Swisher is una puta yep yes and and also, he was openly campaigning for the job. Yeah, last year, it was it was like you'd sit there and watch the game and go, "Okay, Ozzy, we know you're campaigning for it." <laughs> yep, it was obvious, and you know, and I think, and I, again, I'm not in the decision makers' minds. This is just me speculating. Part of the reason Ventura got hired to replace Ozzy is because they wanted the anti-Ozzy and somebody that if Ozzy talked about the fans would take the other person's side not Ozzy's side you're probably right honestly it's great analysis are you sure you're not Al's cheesy beef Mr. I am not I am not Al's cheesy beef if anything I'd be I'd be like El Famous Burrito oh oh my god Pete El Famous Burrito (laughs) yes I am so glad that you know El Famous Burrito and love El Famous Burrito oh god yes absolutely oh my summit down like a mile from my house incredible yes. that's yeah. literally my my dad's burrito spot oh when, yeah when when you know he was living in the burbs and, mm-hmm. and all that um and anytime yeah. we were in around summit or anytime mm-hmm. we were, you know well, around you know elmhurst or uh yeah lombard lombard yep yeah. yep the el famous burrito mm-hmm. yes and and, you know, unfortunately, the one in Summit caught, had a fire like two years ago and they've never reopened. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. Yep. That's a shame. But I will tell everyone, El Gallo de Oro, 116th in Harlem. That's the stuff. All right. All right. <laughs> if I am ever that far south, I will uh, definitely yeah. check it out. It's barely the city. No, it's not. It's it's the birds. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. But it used to be. They used to be located at 63rd and Sacramento. 
Okay. Yeah. And that was the late night stop for a lot of people. And the place that they used to be at, the joke was that they had a glass company on retainer because there would be fights every Friday and Saturday night and all the glass <laughs> would be busted out of their window front. So oh depending on so depending on what time you got there, it was either you still had glass up, it's like, oh no fights yet, or you had plywood up. Like, oh, they already had the fight, so we're good to go. <laughs> That's and I've incredible. been known, and I've been known back then to I've done two burritos in one sitting before. Wow. That's yes. impressive. Yes. Were you I, the next day? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say, how how did it come out the other end? Uh, fast and furious. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, well, Pete, you, you may know, uh, you know, you've been, mm-hmm. you've, you've been a supporter and, mm-hmm. and a listener of the sons of Honarchy podcast. And you know, I'm that. sorry. <laughs> you sh- well, one of you should be for your, for your takes on Jose Quintana. <laughs> okay. So as you bring that back up, this is and also for takes on Carlos Rodan too, especially you- after Wednesday night. So, so here, here's where I'm uh, anyway, here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. As you know, we have a new segment. It's uh the I got a bone to pick segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh we wanted to give you that opportunity with us uh to uh have a bone to pick slash air grievances, oh. the airing of grievances here, Pete. That how you many, have how many um, do I get? You get as many as you <laughs> you please. Oh, so now you brought up Quintana yes so Quintana is a pitcher that served a purpose he is there's no denying that but people wanting him to be part of this rotation no absolutely not I don't think the guy is a he's a second division pitcher to use an old baseball term Mm -hmm. you know he's the guy when there's no pressure looks great aka Javi Vasquez but you put some kind of pressure on him and he folds. So, and that's not, he's a great guy. He's a great person to talk to. Very humble. Very nice. It's just, I think that he's not mentally built for competitive baseball. Right. And when I say competitive, I mean pennant race baseball, not playing in the major leagues. Uh Oh, Oh no. We suck again. Okay. Hey, and you're back. All back. right. <laughs> and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that was that was an adventure and a half. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, right, I can I can hear you, assholes. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, we can hear you. <laughs> great, great. All right. So we were <laughs> Pre-technical difficulties, we were talking about uh, airing of grievances, yes. and Jose Quintana was the first one that you yes. obviously bring up. So, yes, uh, and, we, please continue on this long okay. list. I got a bone to pick. Yeah, the uh, the lineup experts, you know, and and the the absolute freakouts by people on the lineup on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Guess what? If they put everyone out there every day to play, you don't have, you know, eight Cal Ripkins in the lineup for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, at some point these guys do need a break, especially if you want them as fresh as can be 
for August and September. So, you know, you may think you're an expert and I'll get into the expert part next. You may think you're an expert, but Tony LaRusso has probably forgotten more about baseball than me, you two, and everyone else listening combined. Yeah. You know, and as far as the experts, let me just say this. I told anyone who would listen, and you can ask Beef Loaf, you can ask Cherizi, you can ask My Sock Summer, you can ask Wally. I kept telling them, there is no way in hell A.J. Hinch is being hired by the White Sox. No way in hell. Jerry will never ever sign off on it and all these guys saying they're experts and trying to portray themselves as experts who are sitting there saying it's a done deal with aj hinch you obviously aren't an expert because if you were you would know this is how this organization works and that it was never going to happen is that because of the in-house hirings that uh we are infamous for or is this because of aj hinch's uh his cheating scandal his past Because there's one thing you have to remember about Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf sits on the executive committee for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I believe he's on the executive committee for MLB as well. How would it look for the guy who sits in those positions to hire someone like A.J. Hinch? This isn't rocket science. Yep. Mm. Yep. Makes a good point. And, And honestly... Having spoken to Tony La Russa, and I know other people who have spoken to Tony La Russa as well, he wanted to get back in managing, but he flat out, he, I know he was offered a job in Boston that he turned down. And I think he was offered a couple other jobs that he turned down because he had said all along, there's only one job he comes back to because he felt there was unfinished business. And now you see him in that job. I, I need that on a t-shirt unfinished business. That should be the new, <laughs> that should be the new change the game. Unfinished, yeah, unfinished, unfinished business. business. And it's just a uh, LaRusso with a, with a glass of wine. Like, yeah. Ready. <laughs> a, a lineup card in one hand and a glass of wine in the other. <laughs> I was going to go with breathalyzer, <laughs> but I think that serves the same point. <laughs> that is perfect. But, yes. Yeah. So keep, keep those uh, airing of grievances going. The Han bots is another one. Oh, this team, look at this starting lineup. It's great. And you're like going, hey, if Tim spends his typical one time on the DL this year, Eloy usually gets is good for one time on the DL. Granted, when I said it, I did we didn't know what was gonna happen. Right. Mankata's good for one or two a year. You need depth. No, no, you don't need depth. Yes, you do. This is why you need depth. Look at TA's out. Eloy's out. How did the team start missing those with those guys? Not, not great, Bob. Not great. Exactly. Yeah, not under, great, Bob. Under 500? Is that, is that, let's that's check an, the, that's, that's an unacceptable answer, but it's the right answer. <laughs> you know, and, and I think some people honestly believe this team was going to go out and win 120 and 100 or 130 games. Well, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. If you can do that, great. But it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, if you win, it's a simple form of mathematics. If you win two out of every three games that you play in a 162-game schedule, do you know what your record is? It's like, uh, you're, I mean, you win. 108 like and 54. If you 108 win, and 54. Okay. If you win two out of every three games. Not many teams in baseball history have won 108 games. Right. Your elite teams. Like, 
a couple of the big red machine teams won 108. The Yankees did, you know, elite. And then I think the Astros had 107, but we know they were helped. <laughs> <laughs> Homework is pretty good there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder why. And the funniest thing is, if you look at the 2019 World Series with the Astros and the Nationals, the Nationals won all four games in Houston because they because they knew what was going on. They kept changing the signal so they couldn't they couldn't figure it out. That that's was... why they won. Now that's why you see all these teams with taking their hats off and pulling out a little index card saying this means this. And you see the catchers if you look closely, they got like the quarterback armband on. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. With they lift it up and say, "Oh, this sequence means this," you know, because they're Boy calling. Yes, mm-hmm. it's basically what it is. It's like they're changing the signs every inning, every batter, whenever they feel like it. Who knows? And that's part of the reason why get used to longer games too. I yeah. When is it going to be like that? This technology is out there. You just need like a like a walkie Bluetooth kind of shit with mm-hmm. like they can just talk to each other because like. Yeah. At this point, oh, it's I, like, I'm sure that's coming. There's no reason. It's like, I mean, then you've got the whole like, well, who owns the Wi-Fi? Who, how's the connection yeah. being set up? And blah, yeah, blah, who's blah. monitoring the, time, the connection? Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a way that like, I mean, we can fucking call New York. Why can't they handle this shit? And like, <laughs> it could be a fucking MLB owned broadcast uh, fucking line of well, communication or whatever. Do you really want to call New York after watching some of the yumping the last few days? Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not. Lord. Absolutely not. That's where I was going with that too, Pete. What do you think yeah. about robot umps? I am against them, but the more I see, the more I'm starting to go, there might be some validity to it because watching that game yesterday and that strike zone. And again, the strike zone was the same for both. Well, the strike zone sucked for both teams. It's not like it was one or the other. It sucked for both teams. But like that that one pitch we talked about earlier where Cecil and uh, Collins were walking off because it was a strike. It was a perfect pitch ball. And then, you know, one or the other. Okay, another grievance for you. Zach Collins, when you set up in the opposite batter's box yep. to try and frame a pitch, you will never, ever, ever get that pitch even if you hit the outside corner. <laughs> yep. It's a rookie, a rookie mistake, rookie move. And he did it at least twice yesterday. Yeah. At yeah. least there were two times I saw, and I took a picture of one and posted it on Twitter. Yeah. You it's know? like he's got him ump is right there. He can see your four feet to the left, to the right or left or whatever. Right. Like the only, the only part up to your knee on your left leg is in the strike zone. Everything else is out. So even if you catch the ball and try and yank it back, it isn't going to work. I understand you may be doing that to try and get them to swing, but if it's a smart batter, they're going to see the position and go, hey, that's probably going to be outside, so I'll hold back. It's growing pains for him, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm not saying I'm a pro or anything like that. I did some catching in my day. I'm not saying I'm Yogi Berra or Johnny Bench or anything. I was Engelbert for Christ's sake, like I said earlier. <laughs> but it's it's things like this that you you know, if you want to frame a pitch in the strike zone, be by the strike zone. Yep. 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 It's, it's, it's pretty logical. Pretty logical, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, more grievances. 
I know there's another one. I can't think of it right off the top of my head. I they think could I be, said it. They, they like could be sons ago. of Honarchy related grievances as well. Uh, I mean, I give you guys enough shit about your Quintana takes. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be better than Cease right now. I no he no he's not. No, no he's not. <laughs> I don't even think I could say that. <laughs> His team is currently what is it eight and two or some shit? Like At the Angels he? are fucking gods right now. What is that garbage? And what's he? I died, I died, I I don't even know what his statistics look like, but I'm sure they're not worth batting an eye at. Oh, I, that is something that I I kind of wanted to bring up in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, when we started this this season off with the Angels as our draw, I thought for sure that was like a good draw for us because they've been yeah. kind of sub 500, 500 team for the mm-hmm. and then they come out the gates swinging like they're mm-hmm. And we all saw they had the potential. It's like they've got the goddamn best couple players on the planet right now with you right. know, Trout, obviously, Rendon, arguably, mm-hmm. and Shohei is out here actually playing well. And right. now they're eight and two. So it's like, right. what is that garbage that they decided to learn how to pitch and then they've got well, the hitting actually? I'll give you another example. Look at the Mariners from a couple of years ago. Remember, they came to town to start the season and they were on fire. How'd they finish? Yeah. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's what exactly. one of the things you got to remember. And I think part of the reason why people are so freaked out is because not only the expectations, but after seeing the sixty game season last exactly. year, exactly, it's one hundred and sixty two. So every game last year was like what two and a half two and a half games worth two and a half games basically, right? Yep. Exactly. And I remember another grievance. I got a bone to pick. Listen loud, listen clear. This is a mathematical calculation and mathematical certainty. The Cubs are not a rival. A rival is a team that you play that has a two-game swing in the division. So that would mean Minnesota, Cleveland, Kansas City, Detroit. Because each win for you adds one to you and adds a loss to them. Each loss to them adds one loss to you and a win to them. For the Cubs, it's either you win or you lose. The math dictates that they are not a rival. Pete, Pete, you're forgetting about the most important piece of hardware, man. The BP Crosstown Cup. Is it still the BP Crosstown Cup? It's probably something else. (laughs) (laughs) It changes sponsors every year. Wintrust. Yeah, it was a Wintrust Cup, I think, last year or yeah. whatever it was. After the oil spill, they had to they had to ditch it. It's true. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is that South Park episode. <laughs> but you know, it's you know, I've had people say, "Well, you need to play your your varsity against the Cubs." Well, if I have a four game series against the Twins right after the Cubs. I feel it might be, if I feel the need, I'm giving someone or two a day off because those games against the Twins matter more. Yep. yep. Like it, don't like it, that's the way it is. And I used to be the beat the Cubs at all costs guy. I, I really was, but after 2005, I was like, you know what? It doesn't, yeah, it's nice to have bragging rights over Cub fans. Did we lose Steve again? No. Oh, he's a little frozen. Let it go, let it go. 
Yes. Eh, he'll come that's back. a nice that's a nice view of him, by the yeah, way. Though, let's get a screenshot of that. That's nice. <laughs> that's great right there. I like that. <laughs> he looks like he looks like he's comfortably numb. Maybe play some Pink Floyd right now. <laughs> four yeah. four five laptops in. We we made yeah. it happen. <laughs> and Steve O's back. How you doing? I fucking hate our internet connection. It's so <laughs> bad you do have you have we are in bone to pick region you can yes. talk to yes. us about i it. think i think you got a good bone to pick so why don't you take it away it sounds like you need to vent a little i got a bone to pick i got a bone to pick mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a safe space this these at and motherfuckers <laughs> jesus wart so well, i had... maybe maybe you need to go to hot pilates with carly or something that's right. That's right. <laughs> That'll get word, word, word of mouth advertising. <laughs> um, here's my here's my bone to pick about AT and T. Okay, I had great great Wi Fi in the city, and then I move out here to Forest Park, which isn't even in the boonies, Tom. It's the boonies, and suburb equals boonie. Yeah, <laughs> apparently ass end of the blue line ass, ass end, end of the blue now here's the deal i i moved the wi-fi package out here some guy wires it up and he was like so i can only give you right now a fourth of the speed you used to have and i was like the the fuck do you mean like i am paying for this package i should receive this service um, and he was like, well, we're going to have to send someone else out to fix that for you. And I'm like, great. So two weeks go by. I barely have internet. And then some guy comes by. And, and, and this was like during like the height of we didn't know what the pandemic was, too. Like it was like a lot of uncertainty. Everything's closing down. Um, but this guy was absolutely nuts. Like the guy that came over and hooked up the Wi-Fi needs to be checked into a mental facility. Was it Jim Carrey from Cable Guy? It, it, <laughs> pretty similar, to be honest with you. Um, and this guy like proceeded to like vent about his life and his ex-wife and his girlfriend that barely speaks English or doesn't speak English at all. Um, and then that might be an advantage (laughs) for the, for that guy, like shit. (laughs) And all like, he's literally rehooking everything throughout the entire apartment, every single thing he's redoing. And he was like, Oh yeah. Like now your connection's better. Like here's your speed. Like I just tested it. And I'm like, great. The problem is there's still shorts in the wiring. So like, you know, the current is going around and Wi-Fi is going throughout the, you know, the building. And all of a sudden, it goes out like that sometimes. It's the best. I love it when I'm playing MLB The Show. Yes. There's internet connection in the middle of a game. I love it when I'm in the middle of a Zoom call and I just completely drop out for a minute. The best. So my bone to pick is with AT&T for screwing me over and I need to switch back to Xfinity. Well, there it is. That's the uh, definitive explanation we were all looking for. So, um, 
anyway, fuck your Wi-Fi, Steve. Back to the back to <laughs> baseball. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just so frustrated right now with my computer and my Wi-Fi. But Pete, one thing that I wanted to ask yeah. is obviously, you know, the the from the 108 mm-hmm. is is a big part of White Sox Twitter, mm-hmm. why we are who we are, why you're involved in White Sox Twitter as much as you are. How did you get tied in to the entire from the 108 movement? Wally is the one who introduced me to them. Okay. I met Wally first. And then he introduced me to my Sox Summer at Sox Fest in... 2017 i want to say and then uh i met i met beef and chorizo at milwaukee for an exhibition game in 2017 like they had an ex two exhibition games out there before the season started i remember those yeah yeah that was weird yeah and that is where i met beef and chorizo so it was so it was all wally's fault well everything's wally's fault to be honest with you that is my (laughs) follow-up question is is Wally the man behind the curtain pulling the strings or he's, is he just really loud? Like what, where is that fall in? Like, is he, is he really calculating or is he just talking to everybody as loud as possible and making connections that way? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's loud. He's loud. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I don't think Wally has, pre-planned much in his life (laughs) (laughs) it was he he was a riot to to sit nearby this most recent game it's just like (laughs) yeah well you know wally's one of the greatest guys there is he's one of the absolute funnest guys there is but you always have to have bail money when you're with wally (laughs) because (laughs) you Love you, my man. <laughs> it's awesome. Brilliant. <laughs> so it all started with Wally. Yes. And you've it, had season tickets in the 108 for how long? 2020 would have actually been my first year. Okay. In the uh, I had seats elsewhere and I would just always wind up there. Yep. You yep. know, and uh, like a lot of people, to be honest with you. And then last year, I. I decided I'm going to move over here permanently, you know, save a little money because I'm spending most of my time here anyway. So why should I pay more when I wind up sitting here? So I moved over there in 2020 and we know what happened. So all of this might be my fault. Yes. That's, that's what it was. That's the conspiracy. (laughs) God damn it. You switched seats. It's all my fault. Blame me. Yep. Yep. You care. You carry the COVID. You carried the COVID curse. Well, you know, it's, it's because I'm a man of questionable character. That's why it happened. <laughs> yep. Most definitely. <laughs> all of it. All of it. Top to bottom. Well, since yeah. since you are so well connected, yeah. we got we gotta get we gotta get Mike here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, our um, relationship with the 108 guys is mm-hmm. uh, t- tumultuous, Tom. Is that is that a good way of describing it? <laughs> It is. Oh, it uh, looks like uh, looks like Timmy let off with a home run. Oh, what? hey, there we go. It's oh time God, for a pasta party. Good. There you go. <laughs> hey, pasta, nice. Based, well, I'm saying that based on some of the tweets I'm seeing. 
No, and yeah, I'm just I'm checking now. What's let's fact check. Uh, Pete that is here. yeah, that is right. He homered yeah. on a ball to right center field. Yep. So there we go. Not needing to pull everything. I love it, Tim. Yep. Oh yeah, you got all of it. First pitch. So it was first pitch. Today. The way to there start. There we the go. Day. Perfect. So as uh, as I was saying, mm-hmm. um, our relationship, Tom, tumultuous. Is that how you would describe it? Um, it's got its ebbs and flows. I think is is a good way to put it as well. So they had us on three things, Pete. Yes, I remember. Um, and that was a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. we really enjoyed it. And they said, "Hey, we would love to come on the Sons of Anarchy, or you come on with us. Like, we'll mm-hmm. do some sort of collaboration." We were like, "Absolutely, right. let's do it." And that was like this summer. I would say it was mm-hmm. like maybe like May, June. Yeah. Um, and then, according to Beef Loaf, I just. I apparently did not exist on White Sox Twitter um, <laughs> after that moment. Um, I was and I did not do enough or uh, do enough to warrant a 108 tourney spot. Yep, um, yep. So shout out to my Sox Summer and uh, Cherizi for standing up for me there. But um, the, did they even really stand up for you or they just wanted your content? They didn't care about you. They just wanted <laughs> what you give to, to And that's OK. And that's OK. <laughs> but but I mean. What's the difference at this point? <laughs> to be yes. honest. Yes. It's especially with the one away attorney. It's not, it's all about content, baby. Well, it's not only, it's not only about content. Beef Wolf described it in an incredible way. I think it's like the biggest follow Friday you can have. Yep. You know, which is what it is because every year I'm like, Oh, I don't know that person. I need to go check that person out. I don't know that person. You know, so it's, it's like the biggest follow Friday there is. I mean, there were a couple people on there this year that I was like, I don't know who the hell this is. Yep. Yeah. So I need to go educate myself because, you know, part of the reason is I got to do commentary about some people, like people I do know and people I don't know. So I don't want to sound like a total idiot, only a partial one. (laughs) So it's like a matter of finding out who some of these people are and what, what they're bringing to the table. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. And uh, as you can see by my changed Zoom name. Yes. I rechanged it there. Content <laughs> more. So let's be real. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. So, um, but that's the thing too, is I have now disappointed Cherizi with not knowing the percolator. So that's 0 for 2. <laughs> yeah, you're 0 for 2, man. You better really step it up if you want to be in next year. But I'll tell you what you can do. Okay. What is that? So what I would, what I would suggest is next homestand. If, if you make it or when you make it to your next game, because I know they will be, they, I know that all of us have bought the full um, homestand tickets. Okay. So the plan is for everyone to be there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I would go over with a round of beer for each of them. Then maybe a second one. <laughs> And then say, hey, when do you guys want to be on our podcast so we can we can have an airing of our grievances and kiss and make up? Okay. Okay. This this sounds like a good plan. It sounds like a really yes. good plan. I should I should definitely but, do that. But get them the beers first. Yes. Beers first. Yes. But first beers. Yes. But first beers. And three hours of podcasts later, because that's the way that they do their podcast. We'll now, I know I know they're not that picky when it comes to beer, but are there preferences? Do you know the beer preferences around the table? 
Uh, I know that uh, Paper Umbrella by Goose Island is a big one that they like. Um, 312 is another one. Like with with Treasy and, and Beef, those two probably work. MSS is the beer snob of the three. Okay. So he's into all this. This He, you know, I sent him this picture one day because they showed that commercial for the Jim Beam highball or whatever it is with the guy. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Here, have this beer aged with goat's milk. I'm like, that's you. and you know so he's the one who gets into all the you know oh this is made with this and now like i have no clue what you're talking about i'm not that much of a beer drinker so a a lot of the stuff he says just totally goes over my head (laughs) that's great okay so paper umbrella it is yes some well, rounds what, you, of, what we got to do is listening to the the first part where yes. they do the what are you drinking yes. part of the segment and then just come with that ready to well, go from their last. I'm not going to show up with a bottle of Buffalo Trace to the park, though, you know? <laughs> or, like, or, or a bottle of blue vodka or whatever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Punch bowl special. Freaking brilliant. No, yeah. I think uh, I think that would be worth worthy of argument with the security guard and saying, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> I need this bottle of Buffalo Trace for the guys yeah. in the one away. And they'll be like, come on in. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just reach out to Brooks Boyer and tell him he'll he'll let you slide. <laughs> it's true. Just make sure no one like spills their beer all over him. Right. Right. Oh, exactly. God. <laughs> oh, God. Because that's another story, right? Oh, I. <laughs> Well, there's the broken there the broken cup holder. Uh, there was a broken cup holder in the 108 for a while. Oh, that gee, they, that they finally replaced. Someone got someone had a little too much to drink on opening day a couple years ago, and and it broke off. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Allegedly. Notice I didn't. I'm not naming names. Just saying what happened. There we go. There so we if go. You see one, if you see one that's black and not green, you know which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the it's like the Canerco's home run seat that they used to have. Yes. It's but it's the cup holder in the 108. <laughs> yes. Yes. God damn. I don't honestly I gotta look next homestand and see if they fixed it. It's just paint, just a coat of paint right there. <laughs> right. Well, you would think, yeah, but you know, nothing's ever easy. Yeah, yeah, it's too much money. That's, that's right. That's a big. That's well, a steep not cost. only money, it's effort. <laughs> someone needs yeah. to pay it. Someone needs to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Good God, I love it. That makes me worried about the White Sox front office. Maybe it's not money; it's effort. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> There's arguments for both. There you go. Right. Love that. You know, you know, I because I've gotten into arguments with some of the Han bots about the the depth issue. And the answer I get is, well, when you're only given $30 million to spend, and my response is, well, why do you spend 10 on Adam Eaton? Yep. <laughs> Mind you, he's been playing well. Yes. That doesn't – Right. You, you could have you paid him six. You, mm-hmm. you could have paid him right. probably five. Right. <laughs> you hopped the market a little bit. Offer. You hopped the market yes. way too quick on him. Right, because you, because you lost out on something else. Or it was Jack Peterson. You lost out on Jack Peterson because you offered him seven to be a quote-unquote bench player, which looking at what he's doing with the Cubs during the season, 
may not have been a bad a bad miss. Uh, so I mean, it's early though. So you you missed out on that, and you immediately go sign Eaton for ten mil. And I sat in. The White Sox used to do these things called chalk talks, hmm. and it was usually Rick Hahn in there talking about the team, and he always laid out the caveat that you know this is me talking to you, not talking to Scott Merkin and stuff like that, hoping that people wouldn't say what was talked about in there. Not that there was ever anything of real substance talked about, mind you, but <laughs> there was. In all honesty, there was one chalk talk in September of 2016 that was incredible. It had incredible substance. I I knew, and I have people who will back me up that were also in there. I knew in September 2016 they were rebuilding. It was an absolute given because the first question they asked, it was not only Rick Hahn in there, it was Brooks Boyer too. And the first question they asked was, so what so how would you feel about a rebuild? And yep. trading some of our talent away and people express some opinions. And one person I was with basically stood up and said, you know, you got to do something about the clown show we see on the field and in the, uh, hear about in the locker room. And Rick talked about being on good morning America twice that year, once for the Drake LaRoche thing and once for the, you know, sale scissor hands. Yep. At that moment, when he when he said that he was on Good Morning America twice and not for good reasons, I knew Sale was gone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Sale's being traded. They're getting him out of here. And then something else came up about Drake LaRoche, and I'm like, okay, Adam Eaton's gone. So I knew in September those guys were getting traded. Or I shouldn't say I knew. You had an inkling. I had 95% confidence that those guys were getting traded. I, I would say I pretty much had close to 100% confidence with Sale because of where he was with the contract he had and everything else. Eaton, I thought, they're going to try and trade him, but never in a million years did I think they'd get the deal that they got for him. Right. Never in a for million sure. years. So basically, they, they telegraphed it to people that day that this was coming and it was just a matter of going okay and then they hire ricky renteria and it's like oh yeah this is definitely a rebuild what's next and then boom i mean sales gone one day the next day eaton's gone and you get a hell of a haul for it and i know there's people out there who were like you gave up a future hall of fame pitcher well Let's see how he does after he comes back from uh, Tommy John surgery. Right. Most of his best years were behind him. Yes. Before you put him in the Hall of Fame, you know, and I, I, I liked Sale. I thought he was great, a great pitcher, but I think he accomplished more trading him because it was obvious that was a relationship that could not be repaired. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we don't think about those factors, too that go into right. the clubhouse and, and Kenny already survived the Aussie fiasco. So do you think he was really going to be gone after this? No, no fucking way. And then that's why earlier when I talked about all these experts who supposedly know all this stuff, they have to understand how the team runs. If you understand how the team runs, you can figure out their next moves in most cases, not all, but in most cases, mm-hmm. you know, I honestly didn't believe I knew that, well, I shouldn't say I knew, but I felt that Hinch was never going to be hired. 
I thought they were bringing Larusa in as as a special advisor, if you will, mm-hmm. for whoever they were hiring as a manager due to lack of experience. I did not think Larusa was going to be the manager. You know, uh, I my personal preference. I wanted the next great manager. The guy I wanted was Eduardo Perez mm-hmm. as manager. He's the one that I wanted. You know, um, uh, what's his name? The bench coach now, um, Sandy Elmar. No, no, no. For the White Sox, oh. not the Indians. Oh, McEwing, oh. Um, Joe or, McEwing. No, no, no. no. Joe Cairo. McEwing. Oh, Miguel Cairo. Miguel Cairo. There's a lot of people say he can be a great manager, and I think it's a case he is the next manager. He just needs some seasoning. And in all honesty, like Larusa, hate Larusa. I am not condoning what he did. Absolutely. What happened. Not condoning it at all. It's amazing how if you say something complimentary about the guy, you're condoning his actions. No, that's not at all. But who else would you want to have would you want to learn from between seven and ten or seven and eleven o'clock on most nights during the season in the dugout? Well said. He has so much experience. Right. He's seen it all, right? Pretty eh, pretty much, you know. And I will say the, 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 the saddest day of my White Sox fandom was October 8th, 1983. Yeah. With Tito, with Tito fucking Landrum. He left Britt Burns in too long. Britt Burns was at like 140 pitches That's in that 10th inning, in inning that game. Oh, my it God. Some, it was someone, but that was the norm back then. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. like a hundred pitches and you know and fly, so to speak, or five innings and fly or whatever it is now. You know, he was at like 140 pitches somewhere around there, and you could see that he was leaving the ball up if you really watch that game closely. But in defense, they should have never been in that position because Jerry Dubzinski doesn't know how to run the fucking bases in the seventh inning. You know, and that whole fucking sequence. And it's, it's more than just the base running air. There was a mistake uh, on the sacrifice bunt play before the base running air. That's a game that I need to it's get on my YouTube. hands on. It's, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I need to get my hands on the mm-hmm. tape. Game four, 1983 ALCS. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Cause I've gone back and watched, watched it, you know, and uh, there's a lot of games from the 1983 season on YouTube game one with Hoyt's uh, Hoyt shutout or not shutout, but Hoyt's complete game is out there as well. I try not to watch game two and game three because game two, Mike Boddicker just made them look awful. And game three, Eddie Murray hit a home run that I don't think has landed yet. (laughs) I think the only thing that stopped it is the facade of the upper deck because that thing was a freaking was like a, it was like a cruise missile. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the Pujols home run off of uh, fucking um, Brad Lidge in 2005. Yeah. That's that's basically very similar to it. So I good. mean, it took all of about a second and a half to get out of the park. That's how hard Murray hit the ball. And I've asked Eddie Murray this and Cal Ripken this. Did you want to play a game five in 83? And they both said, no, because we would have lost to Hoyt. Mm-hmm. They both said it. They admitted it. They said we had to win in four because we wanted no part of Lamar Hoyt in game five. For sure. He was AL Cy Young that year, right? Yes, he was. 24 and 10. Yeah. 
And then love he love pitcher wins. Love pitcher wins. And then he <laughs> rumor has it that he went out. He went out and got drunk after they lost the pennant, and woke up in his car with a burrito on his stomach. And I just sat there and said, "Hey, I've done that in my life too." I was gonna say, "Been there, done that." Been there, I'm also that. an Ale Cy Young Award winner. Then <laughs> I've also woken up with a burrito in my bed, half eaten. Maybe an El Famous burrito. It was. <laughs> that's that one's unique i, I have yeah. not had a burrito in bed with me um I, that i can remember I, <laughs> I was i was studying for finals uh-huh. and i was hungry so i went out and got a burrito said i need to take a break went back studied a little more fell asleep and there was a burrito when i woke up so i go with it <laughs> finished it off <laughs> that's awesome that is great that would not oh, have been wow. my uh, my reaction in the morning. I would have been eh. like, "Well, this, <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I better clean these sheets because there's weird substances." <laughs> <laughs> Pete, not, what not... were you doing with that burrito, man? Yeah, what were you oh, doing to that burrito? <laughs> I don't kiss and tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Well, hey, we got a baseball game that's on right yeah. now. Yeah, Pete. yeah. Um, and uh, the Sox—it's about to be bottom of the second. Sox yeah. are up one nothing. So, yes. uh, well, hey, and we, and we would have done a lot earlier if not for your. Uh... I know my <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> your shenan your your laptop, your phone connection, your internet. Absolute garbage. Absolute yeah. garbage. <laughs> no, it's fine. It took it took five laptops to get this this episode done. That's <laughs> that's a great stat. I think you should reach out to Best Buy for a sponsorship or something. <laughs> Honestly, though. <laughs> or Apple, you know. Yeah. Maybe Somebody Xfinity. Can. It seems like they're running sponsorships for everyone these days. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. The, hey, you'll, Considering... you'll trash AT&T for free? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thanks again for joining us, sure. Pete. This was Anytime. awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this again soon. Anytime. And we'll, and we'll see you in the 108 sooner That's, than later. That sure. sounds like a plan. Damn All right. right. All right. All thanks, right. guys. Talk to you Good soon, to man. You. All right. Peace. Bye. Bye.